You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. going everybody welcome back to the tell it abs it is podcast on the hockey podcast network i am your host griffin youngs and this show as always is sponsored by DraftKings sportsbook big names are headlining this weekend's ufc 262 card from nate diaz to michael chandler and there will be no shortage of action DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fights with 100 to 1 odds. One fighter will be walking away with the belt, but will you be walking away with the cash? All you have to do is pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on the main event fighter of your choice, and if they win, you win $100. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. But don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on essentially any sport you can think of, especially hockey, as we get into the Stanley Cup playoffs this weekend. If you want to get yourself even more invested in these games, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place for you. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Do you all remember three years ago when the Avalanche went into Game 82 of the regular season against the St. Louis Blues with their playoff hopes on the line, one year removed from being the worst team in the NHL, and they made it in on that final game of the year, and we were so proud just to get in. Well, now you fast forward to 2021, Game 56. That whole thing itself would need a whole bit of explanation why the season's so short, but Final game of the regular season, the Colorado Avalanche have the opportunity to clinch everything imaginable with the President's Trophy and the West Division because they have taken care of business this week. They took down the Vegas Golden Knights and they just got done laughing the LA Kings out of Colorado with a 6 to nothing victory. And they are one win away from locking up the President's Trophy and home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, really, as the more I think about it, the whole President's Trophy thing is semantics at this point anyway. Because earlier in the day, I was thinking, well, once you, if you make it to the Final Four, then you guarantee home ice against whoever you play in that point. Well, we, we already have 
with the win tonight. If we make it to the Final Four, the Avalanche are the highest seed. The only team that could potentially start a series at home with us would be Vegas. And that's only if we lose tomorrow to LA. But the beautiful part is, is that the Avalanche have to rely on nothing but themselves to beat a team that they have very sufficiently handled over the last week with two wins in LA and a six to nothing win earlier tonight with no McKinnon in either of those games. I'm feeling pretty good about it, to be honest, but not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the biggest win of the Avalanche's season so far. Going into Las Vegas in, you can call it a must-win if, you, if you're crazy about winning the President's Trophy and the West Division. I mean, you should be at this point. It's really the only thing we've been fighting for for the last two months. So biggest game of the season. Philip Grubauer has the best performance of his entire season. He makes 36 saves on 37 shots and is the sole reason the Avalanche walked out of Las Vegas with two points and now control their own destiny. If they lost this game, these last two games against LA would be meaningless. They would mean nothing. We would be locked into second place and playing Minnesota. And speaking of Minnesota, we have secured home ice advantage, if nothing else. The Avalanche have nothing locked up. They're the only team in the NHL holding everything up. Everything else in the league is done. Every playoff matchup is done. The only thing holding it up is the Avalanche. Every other division, the East, the Central, and the North, all have all their seeds locked in. I mean, to be fair, most of those divisions have played all of their games, but the only reason everything is not all done is because of the Avalanche. There's no President's Trophy yet, but because the Avalanche had that win against Vegas 2-1 to one, and have just put the West on a stalemate until the final, final day. And the Avalanche, I mean, I'm very proud of this team because they have gotten no help from anyone else in the rest of the division. Vegas has essentially run the table over the last two weeks. They've only lost that one nothing game to Arizona, and they blew that third-period lead to Minnesota. Outside of that, they have run the table. And the Avalanche have done their job. They lost one game to the Sharks, and the last thing they had to do was go into Vegas and get a win. Now, yes, Vegas was shorthanded. Yeah, that should not be ignored, but this is not it's not the same situation as what the Avalanche were going through a few weeks ago where we don't have Miko Rantanen and we don't have Philip Grubauer or Donskoy or all these other guys. Like Vegas, they were playing with 15 skaters, I believe it was. They were missing two forwards and a whole defenseman because of salary cap issues. And that's not the same as injury issues. That just means you didn't manage the salary cap all that well and you're paying for it in what is your biggest game of the season. So that's not the same as suffering through injury issues unless you count Ryan Reeves as injury issues, which is the opposite of an issue for Vegas considering that he's been out, what, 14 games and they've won 12 of them. 
But anyway, not the same situation, but you could see down the stretch that Vegas was tired in that game. But nevertheless, I mean, Vegas came out in this game in the first period and took it to the avalanche. This They were running them out of the building. Like, Philip Grubauer led in that Petrangelo goal, like, less than 10 minutes into the game, and I didn't like it because it was a juicy, juicy rebound that I was all over him for last episode for some of the goals he gave up against LA last week. And this this one was the worst. This That one was worse than any of those. Right to Alex Petrangelo. Vegas has a one nothing lead eight minutes into the game. Then Alex Tuck misses a wide open net. And at that point, I'm, I am holding my temples like, okay, well, Minnesota, I mean, we've played them pretty well so far. I think we can definitely come out on top in that series. It would have been nice to have home ice against Vegas. But Philip Grubauer shut the door the rest of the way. Thir- like I said, 36 saves on 37 shots. And he didn't get a lot of help from the other stars on this team because the top line in this game was not good. Nathan McKinnon returned for this game like I expected him to, but with the way he played it might have been better to keep him out not not that he was terrible but he w- he was clearly limping through it a little bit and it got worse during this game he suffered an unrelated injury i don't even know if it would qualify as an injury because there's like well he's going to be back we're just going to sit him against LA but he looked like he was skating through something in this game and apparently he got dinged up a little worse by the end of it So it really just wasn't worth it to play him because he didn't ultimately contribute that much to the win. But it was the unlikely heroes in this one that got the job done. And like this, this is the kind of win that you need to have in the playoffs. No Stanley Cup winner ever goes through the entire playoffs and deserved to win all 16 of those games. Ever. That has never, ever happened. You need to steal games every now and again you need to get a a, like a red hot guy like Andre Burakovsky to snipe one and tie the game and halfway through the third period you need JT Comfer to bang home a puck on an Alex Newhook pass that he got from Connor Timmons that kind of unlikely hero and then have your goalie shut it down the rest of the way you need to have those sometimes on the road in Vegas I mean Like, let's just fast forward a few weeks and say the Avalanche are playing Vegas. You do that in, like, game four of that series in Vegas, that's huge. And that those are the kind of wins you need to get. Like, you need those unlikely heroes to come through in the postseason or else you're not going to win. Like, it'd be nice to have, like, in 2019 when Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Gabe Landeskog scored all of those overtime goals and those are our stars like but that's just that doesn't happen for the teams that win the cups like yeah you need those guys to perform but to go to that other level you need your JT Comfers to come through and we and we're going to talk about JT Comfer again in just a second because this is not the final goal that JT Comfer has scored in the last two games. It's not even his second-to-last goal that he scored in the last two games. We will talk about him more later. But in short, did the Avalanche deserve to win this game? No. Did they win the game? Yes. And that's just and that's what happens in the playoffs sometimes. Sometimes you win games that you shouldn't, 
and you lose games that you should win. It happens all the time. It's a this entire sport is just nothing but luck sometimes. And we got lucky. We stole one. Philip Grubauer had one of his best performances of the season when they needed one most. They really got thoroughly outplayed in this game. Vegas outshot them 37 to 21. And all it took was Andre Burakovsky being Andre Burakovsky and just continuing his tear over the last two weeks, sniping home his 18th of the season to tie the game at one about seven minutes in to the second period. Like, you want to talk about a bread and butter. Burakovsky skating into the zone, and the defenseman just gives him that little bit of room, just that just that little bit of room right just so he can see the goalie, and he winds up that wrist shot. When you give him that, nine times out of ten, he is scoring on it, especially when he is as confident as he is right now. I mean, a confident Burakovsky is a completely different player. Like, the, the lukewarm Burakovsky that you see for about 70-75% of the season is nowhere near Burakovsky when he's feeling good. When he's feeling good, he's one of the best players on this team. And there is hardly a player in the league with a better shot. And that's not hyperbole. He is that good when he just apparently decides to be that good. His shot is lethal, and it, he could not be getting hot at a better time, obviously. I mean, even in the game tonight against the Kings, he didn't score a goal. He got an assist, but he was just making everything he did look effortless. He was just deking around guys like he's just skating by them, and they just gave him all the room in the world. They're trying to knock the puck off him. He's just dangling around them, zone entries all by himself, tape-to-tape passes, getting to the dirty areas. Like, he just looks like he is having a great goddamn time right now, and that is fantastic news for the playoffs. Like, we've, we've seen with Burakovsky in Washington and Colorado is that when the going gets tough in the playoffs and it needs to get to those elimination games, that is where he shines. He is Mr. Elimination Game. Justin Williams is Mr. Game 7. He's out of the league now. He's retired. Burakovsky has taken that mantle because even, even when Williams was in the league last year with the Hurricanes, game for game, elimination game for elimination game, Burakovsky's stats are better than Justin Williams'. So I'm really excited to see what he can do once the playoffs begin, and I really hope he doesn't slow down because he can he can really make a name for himself in these playoffs if he continues at this pace. I really hope so because you're gonna need everyone you can get, and Burakovsky when he when he's feeling himself, the he can really take this team to another level, and. He ultimately got overshadowed by the JT Comfer game-winning goal and even overshadowed by Alex Newhook, who, by the way, I absolutely adore. I love this kid. Alex Newhook, I want his jersey. I love this kid. Keep him here. He he needs to be on the roster for the playoffs. He's been that good. And I'm usually not a fan of like, oh, he just got to the NHL. Don't throw him into these huge situations right away. The biggest game of the season, he puts up two points. Now, yes, he 
little gratuitous with the first assist on the Burakovsky goal because he kind of just cleared the puck out of the zone and the puck ended up in the net just a little bit later. But on the second one, throwing that puck to the net, I mean, he looked just good all night long. And who are you going to put in instead of him? Carl Soderberg? Newhook looks good and he looks ready to go. He did not look phased by the pressure of this game. I mean, this is one of the biggest games of his life. This was his fourth NHL game. And it's for essentially the President's Trophy and the West Division. Like, this is what the entire Avalanche team has been playing for. He wasn't even signed for until about a month ago. And he comes in and is a, a huge reason why they're walking out of there with two points. You need a guy like that. Like, maybe you don't put him in your top six, but third line, why not? I don't see the harm in it really whatsoever. I mean, it's going to get a little tough once guys get healthy. I will concede that. Like, once Brandon Saad comes back, and obviously McKinnon's going to go back to that top line. Obviously, Jost is there right now just because he deserves it. Like, so just looking at lines, McKinnon is going to take Jost's spot. And before we even talk about Saad, Jost is going to go back down to the third line with probably Donskoy and Nichushkin. And do you put Newhook on your fourth line? I, w- I mean, I would. He's just, he plays better than Carl Soderberg does. And like, what? In maybe you don't have to play him every night, but what's the harm in just having a young, springy kid, 20-year-old kid, just to be a water bug in the playoffs and blaze past some guys on the fourth line? You know, maybe you can interchange him with Carl Soderberg because once Saad comes back, he's likely going back up to his his spot in the top six where Newhook New has been recently. And third line is going to be Jost, Nichushkin, and Donskoy. Very good third line, by the way. And, I mean, we'll see what's going on with Logan O'Connor. I just seems like maybe he'll be back later in the playoffs. It doesn't seem like it's going to be soon. I mean, I've I've almost completely forgotten about Matt Calvert, to be honestly. I, I don't think Matt – I think even if Matt Calvert gets healthy, I don't know if he's coming back just because I think Logan O'Connor would be ahead of him. And I, I just think Newhook has earned a spot here. I don't, I don't know how you can take this kid out when he has played this well. Like, it's not even just like, oh, the puck's not going for him or anything. He's got three points in five games. Like, ultimately, he didn't pick up one tonight against the Kings, but that doesn't matter. Actually, he might have, honestly. I've completely forgotten if he did. Before I double down on that, I can check. I do not believe he did. He Okay, he did not. So he has three points in five games in his NHL career, and if I remember correctly, he was torching the AHL with nine points in eight games. Like, he's just about a point per game in his professional career right now. In 12 games, 12 professional games, including the AHL and NHL put together, he's got 12 points. I don't know how you can take him out right now. No other team has enough film on him. Like, he's just, he can be a little secret weapon right now in your bottom six. Like, I can't rave enough about this kid. Like, when he was called up, I'm like, oh, we get to see what he has. You know, maybe he can be a little bit of an option for the playoffs if there's injuries and we can see if we can plug him in next year. Now I am all in on this kid. I love him. 
He is great. He is not only going to be on this team next season, but he he might be important in the playoffs. He's been that good. I can't get enough of him. But just going back to the game in general, like this was just it was tough to watch, but it was very satisfying to pull out the win because they deserved it and they worked they worked hard in this game. I mean, Vegas outplayed them, but it's not like the Avalanche played so unbelievably poorly that they did not deserve to win the game. Like, there's been times that Vegas has stolen games from us. Like, there's been times other teams have stolen games from us. Like, sometimes you just need your goalie to steal a game. And, like, in the in its most simplest form, that's what this game was. This was Philip Grubauer going toe-to-toe with Robin Leonard and coming out on top and giving his team a huge win. And that's what you're going to need in the playoffs. And, you know, maybe it's not Leonard in the playoffs. Maybe it's Marc-Andre Fleury, which it probably will be. But it's not like Robin Leonard played bad in this game. I mean, 19 saves on 21 shots, and it's not like any of them are really his fault. Like, they were just good, good shots. Burakovsky's shot, that's going to beat anyone, including Fleury. And the comp for goal just kind of going crazy in front of the net. And... You know, if I recorded this maybe earlier today before the Kings game, I probably would have said that I wouldn't be upset if the Avalanche lost one of these games of the Kings and they still conceded the West in the President's Trophy, mainly because I'm, I just wanted more than anything to get that momentum going into the playoffs. And home ice and Minnesota, St. Louis, anything like that, like mainly just semantics. At this point, you want more than anything, you want that home ice in the first round. That's your main prize here. But I wasn't going to like wreck myself over it if they had to sit some guys just so they can get a few days rest and you drop one to the Kings. Now that we're here, though, and they just annihilated the Kings, and if I don't even know if I can in good faith call that a hockey game, but... Vegas did win tonight against the Sharks as well, also by a score of six to nothing. So it re- it's all just up to the Avalanche now. I think th- are they the only non-Canadian team? No, Minnesota and St. Louis play tomorrow as well, and the Kings have one game left. But outside of that, like, are they the only non-Canadian team and non-West team left to play? Yeah, I mean the Central is all done, the East is all done, so. All that's really left to figure out in the league is these West playoffs. St. Louis is four. Minnesota is three. That's all finished. All that's left to determine is, is Colorado going to be number one or is Vegas going to be number one? And odds are very favor- favorably in Colorado's favor right now. All they All they have to do is beat the Los Angeles Kings who have nothing to play for. They've do, they've done the hard part already. They went into Vegas and they beat Vegas. Now they just got to get one more win and home ice is theirs the entire way through the playoffs. And that that's big. Like I think we're underestimating even just how important having home ice is going to be in these playoffs because This is, needless to say, a very strange season, to say the least. And just to be able to go home for that Game 7, if need be, is important. And not to mention the Avalanche's home record 
21, 4, and 2. And Vegas' home record, 21, 5, and 2. Avalanche's road record, 17, 9, and 2. Vegas' 19, 9, and 2. So essentially the same record. Like, if the Avalanche win tomorrow, they will have one more win on home ice than Vegas will. And essentially the Aval- the only difference in their road records is the Avalanche lost two road games in overtime. That's the only difference between their home and road records. But this team is very good at home, but so is Vegas. And you look at a lot of these other top teams in the NHL, like Carolina, 23-5 and on home ice. Pittsburgh, 22-4-2 on home ice, the Islanders, if they were to make it that far, 21-4-3, and three, like, and if you have to play any of these teams, guess what? You don't have to go to their barn now. I mean, that's decided. We, I think I, I can't even remember if I already mentioned this, but Colorado has home ice against everybody except Vegas at this point. Like, the only thing they're really playing for at this point is just the honor of calling themselves the President's Trophy winners and having home ice against Vegas in the second round if they both make it there and really who they're playing in the first round i mean i i've talked about how i don't care about the president's trophy and the curse behind it is all just a bunch of bullshit anyway like the president's trophy is not a curse like it's always said it's always just brought up by other fans of other teams like oh they're cursed now see they lost it's cursed whoo he's that's why you shouldn't win the president's trophy it's why you shouldn't be the best team in the nhl like it's dumb like it's a i'm not i'm not talking about it again it's such a waste of of waste of time of an argument but this season the president's trophy just doesn't mean anything the avalanche if they win tomorrow they'll have 82 points and if they lose vegas will have 82 points that's the maximum anyone can get this season and the difference between 82 points first the difference between first and eighth which is minnesota would be seven points i've talked about it before you go back even just Last season, like last season that didn't even finish, the difference between first and second was eight points. That was Boston and Tampa Bay. Or no, I was looking at conference standings. It was six points, Boston and St. Louis. And Colorado was eight points out of the President's Trophy last season. But you go back to when Tampa won it a few years ago. Difference between first and second was 21 points. Like this is going to be one of the closest President's Trophy races in a long time, mainly because there wasn't really one to begin with because there isn't really a President's Trophy this season because none of these teams are being held to the same standards. They're playing teams in their division. If you won your division, you essentially won your President's Trophy this year. Pittsburgh, Toronto, Carolina, and hopefully Colorado essentially won the president's trophy. I'm, I said I wasn't going to talk about this, and I'm talking about it again. So I'm going to stop before I completely waste the rest of the episode talking about my thoughts on the president's trophy again. But with the win over Vegas, they essentially go 4-3-1 against Vegas and lock up every season series against every opponent they have played this season. They got that extra point with that one overtime loss to Vegas, so they got more points head-to-head than Vegas did against them, and they have beaten 
every opponent in the West Division this season. They won their season series with Vegas. They won it with Minnesota. They won it with St. Louis, Arizona, L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. I'd love to find out, like, if any other team did that. Like, Carolina, did they maybe, like, did... I know they crushed Florida, but, like, did they have a better one against Tampa Bay? There's no way that I would be able to find that out at all quickly, but I'd love to know if any other team did that this season where they won every season series against every single team in their division. Like that's, that's a little impressive, like not even one. Like I know if we lost to Vegas, it would have been them, but we didn't. So I, I, this, that's very impressive for this team to have won every single one of them. And like, even just going back to the Vegas game for a quick second, like something I didn't even bring up, like, these last few games have not been easy. This one was. The LA game was easy. That was a fucking breeze. Like, don't even worry about. But the the last little stretch has not been very easy, and that's good. Like, that's a nice little warm-up for the playoffs. Like, ever since the first of the month, every single game has been a one-goal game. And they lost one to San Jose. They won one in overtime. Like, 4-3 against the Sharks, 5-4 in overtime against the Sharks, 3-2 loss against the Sharks, 3-2, 3-2 over LA, and 2-1 over Vegas. Like, that's a nice little warm-up for the playoffs. Even if those games don't mean much outside of the Vegas game, that's a nice little warm-up for you for the playoffs because you got to still fight for those wins and still, like, dig a little deep and find a way to get those points, especially in the Vegas game. So, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I mean, this is the last episode we're going to have before the playoffs begin. I mean, it seems like the Avalanche would play on Monday, from what I understand. I saw a thing from Jeremy Rutherford, the the athletic reporter for the Blues, saying that the Blues series would likely begin on Monday. And the Blues play the Wild, so I'm just assuming that the Wild series would also start on Monday, but I also saw something that said Vegas would play on Sunday, so I don't know, so I am assuming the Avalanche are going to play on Monday, because Vegas finished their series on Wednesday as I'm recording this, and the Avalanche will finish their season tonight on Thursday, so I would think Vegas would start a day earlier on Sunday, and the Avalanche would start on Monday, that's just my thought process here, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. I mean, this is what I wanted. I wanted to get that win in the Vegas game. And I wanted just a little just a little bit of adversity down the stretch. Didn't want it to be too easy. Like, this team is definitely not comfortable right now. Like, they're, they're going to have to play till the final game of the season for something that matters. I mean, winning the division and the President's Trophy is not nothing. Like, it's not without consequence. If you lose this game tomorrow, you're still going to have to show up to the rink and play. So I'm feel I'm feeling pretty good, no matter if it's St. Louis or Minnesota. I know St. Louis played us pretty tough back in April, but I don't care. We're better than the Blues, we're better than Minnesota, and we're better than Vegas. I'm, I'm feeling good about this team, and I don't know when I'll get the opportunity to say that again. I mean, if... If it is on Sunday, the first game, I'm probably almost definitely not going to record until after that game. There'd be no point in me doing that. Unless the game is on Monday, then I'll 
probably have a nice little preview from either the Blue Notes or the Soda Pod just to preview the upcoming matchup for when I record on Sunday. But this team looks really good right now, and that and they showed no mercy to the Kings tonight. I mean, they beat them very, very badly. This was not even a hockey game. I guess I can get into it a little bit. I mean, the Avalanche dominated 37 to 18 in shots. I think the Kings' first shot on goal came with about two minutes left in the first, and it was like a dribbling shot from center ice. That was the first time that Grubauer even had to do anything all night. This was essentially an off game for Philip Grubauer. I saw people be like, oh, you should probably pull him in the third period. Like, no, this is pro- this is probably the safest place he can be right now. There is nothing happening whatsoever. He stops all 18 shots, one of the easiest shutouts of his career. And a lot of that can be attributed to the return of Sam Gerrard to the lineup. He gets a nice tune-up game here, and he looks ready to go. He gets the third most ice time of anyone on the team, only Taze and Makar with more, and he looked none the worse for wear. I think they handled this injury very well, and he looks ready to go for the playoffs. We'll see if he's there tomorrow night, but I see no reason as to why he wouldn't be. So this team's getting healthy now. We'll see the status of Brandon Saad for game one. I think I think we're coming up on three weeks since he was originally reported to be injured. And McKinnon is going to play game one. Bednar has made that clear that that's not a concern. And Bo Byram, I don't know I don't know if we're gonna see him. And if we do see him, it might not be until later. And even then I I'm not sure how comfortable I am putting a 19 year old back into the lineup when he hasn't played a hockey game in really two months and who knows we might be like down deep in the trenches playing Vegas at that point I'm not entirely comfortable plugging him back into the lineup at that point I I like the way the defense looks right now for the most part you've got Taze and Makar on your top pairing no reason to break them up they look spectacular Ryan Graves and Sam Gerrard Graves has looked pretty solid as of late Maybe two months ago, I wouldn't be crazy about that, but he's looked much better as of late. He's been a shot-blocking machine. And your third pair, Patrick Nemeth, Connor Timmins. I'm not, I'm not nuts about Nemeth, but if I, I don't know. Like it, Nemeth, McDonald. What are we even doing here at this point anyway? That's just that's that's not going to be the difference between winning and losing a hockey game. Having. Nemeth on the ice for 10 minutes versus having McDonald on the ice for 10 minutes. You might notice McDonald more, and Nemeth might not be very smart with the puck, but that's all just semantics anyway. I mean, this was just dominant. I There's really nothing else to even say about it other than the big thing, the big elephant in the room, uh, JT Comfer with a hat trick. He gets 40% of his goals so far this season over the last two games he has all of a sudden now hit 10 goals he gets the game winning goal against vegas and he gets the hat trick here against la four goals in his last two games all of a sudden comfer who couldn't find the back of his of the net to save his life back in february and march has now hit 10 goals 
on the season, which would have been impossible to even consider just a little while ago. I mean, his last goal before this, you got to go all the way back to April 14th against the Blues. And before that, April 5th against Minnesota. I mean, when did, when did he even get his first goal? January 30th in Minnesota, he gets his first. Second, February 24th against Minnesota. Like, these goals were very few and far between. Then you get to the last two games. Goal against Vegas, game-winning goal. Three goals against LA. First hat trick of his career. I mean, you can't help but be happy for the guy. I mean, we've, we have dumped on poor Comfort all season long. It's, it's more than fitting that he gets a little hat trick here and cements his place in the lineup. Like, yes, Comfort's going to be in for the playoffs for everyone who was saying, no, Comfort's not good enough. And I was, I was on that list, admittedly, a little while ago before the deadline. I wasn't sure about him, but Comfort said after the game, he prides himself in showing up in big games, and I believe him. So I think he's ready to go for the playoffs the same as everybody else. So great for him getting that hat trick tonight. The other goals in this game, obviously Comfort with three of them. And other goals in this game. Don Skoy finally breaks his slump with a power play goal. He had not scored a goal since his first period hat trick against the Coyotes back in March. I mean, he'd been out with COVID and some stuff for a little bit. So that makes it look a little worse. But he'd been ice cold. So finally, he gets a power play goal set up by Burakovsky, who pushes his point streak to seven games. Like I said, red hot right now, Burakovsky. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, his eighth of the season, assisted by Jason Megna and Kiefer Sherwood. And Kompfer gets his first of the game late in the first. This game this game was over after the Belmar goal. You could just see how done the Kings were. They were done before this. They just There wasn't any goals to back that up yet. Then it's Kompfer. Landeskog hits 20 goals on the season. I believe that's the eighth time in his career that he has done so. Great to see the captain hit 20 again. And closing the show, JT Comp for a beautiful passing play between him and Val Nichushkin. Like this, this team was just the Harlem Globetrotters against the LA Kings tonight. This was not even fair. And they didn't even have McKinnon. And it, it did not matter one bit. I don't think anyone even noticed. So hopefully they can do it again against the Kings and we can lock up that President's Trophy and lock up this division and just lock up home ice and not have to worry about it. This was a very, very solid win to say the least. And it's just the last real stress-free game for a while. Because even the season finale, like, you got, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you. You're, you're going to have Vegas, Minnesota, and St. Louis watching you because Vegas wants you to lose because they want the President's Trophy, and Minnesota and St. Louis are curious as to who they're going to play in the first round. And unless the Avalanche go up big again early, it's going to be like, it's going to be a little stressful, like not even, not even close to the Vegas game, like 20% of the Vegas game, but just like a little bit. And then obviously... You get to the playoffs, and it ramps up to 12 on the stress scale. And it's going to be like that for hopefully two months. So 
I just kind of sat in silence for a little bit and watched this game just like, oh, that's hockey, and I'm not ripping my hair out about it. I'm going to savor this moment while it lasts because it's not going to last very long. So just a solid team win, and things are really wrapping up now. Most of the league is done. You can look at the playoff matchups for the rest of the league. You've got in the East Division, you've got Pittsburgh taking on the Islanders. I think that's going to be very fun, but even more fun is Washington versus Boston. That's going to be a very, very nasty series. And go to the North, Toronto, Montreal for the first time, I believe, since what, like 1979? That's crazy to me that they haven't even met once after that, but it's going to be... While Toronto's going to be heavily favored in that, that's still going to be fun, even if there's going to be no fans there. Edmonton-Winnipeg Edmonton is going to be a pretty fun series. I don't, I don't know how the Jets are going to handle McDavid the way he's playing right now and how the Jets are playing right now. They're not good. I think the Oilers might beat the brakes off them in that. Carolina-Nashville. While I think Carolina wins that, UC Soros, hot goalie. Don't count Nashville out just yet. Soros might be able to do something for them there. He might get he might break into the the finalists for the Vesna this season. Like I hope he doesn't because that might mean Grubauer might not make it, but I w- I wouldn't be shocked if Soros got that third spot. And then you've got what I think is looking like one of the main events of the playoffs here with the Florida Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, the first ever battle of Florida in the playoffs. Florida with home ice, by the way. That's something I would not have expected even even two weeks ago. That's going to be a super fun one to watch, and I just can't help but shake that Florida might win that series, even with Tampa getting Kucherov and Stamkos back. Like, Hedman's hurt. Hedman's going to get surgery whenever Tampa Bay is finished playing because he hurt himself playing Columbus, I believe, like in the end of April. And Kucherov hasn't played a hockey game since Tampa Bay won the cup. Like he's going to be rusty. Like he's not just going to come right in and score two goals right away, or maybe he will and make me look dumb. But Stamkos, I mean, he might get hurt in game one of that series. That guy just can't really stay healthy. And Florida just looks like they're having a good time. And you go out to the West, nothing's decided. You can thank the Avalanche for that. They're holding everything up. So just just assume just assuming that they win tomorrow because they should. It's the Kings. You just beat them six to nothing. That does not mean you should lose the next night to them. Assuming they win, they will play the St. Louis Blues in the first round, and Vegas will play Minnesota. Now, in terms of just straight storyline matchups, that is less interesting. I will admit. Because Vegas playing St. Louis and Alex Petrangelo playing his former team right after he leaves them would have some weight behind it. And Colorado playing Minnesota would be nasty and very entertaining. But for me, I like this more. I want to see Vegas and Minnesota go at each other's throats for seven games because I think that series is going to go seven games. Because Minnesota is apparently Vegas's kryptonite. I think Vegas comes out on top, but... I think that's going to be a very fun series to watch. I just want to see that. And Colorado-St. Louis. St. Louis has not been an easy out for us outside of that one time in the very beginning of the season. And 
obviously Colorado's a lot better than the Blues, but they're not going to make it easy for them. Honestly, like, it's going to be a fun series. Like, the Blues are almost the antithesis of what the Avalanche are. And by knocking them off, especially if we do it emphatically, it might shut up a lot of people about what the Avalanche are. Like, I still, the Avalanche still have this, like, conception that they're, like, soft and overly skilled. Like, that's just not true. Like, maybe that's why I want to play St. Louis so badly, just so we can, like, rid that narrative quickly. But ultimately, it, it doesn't matter all that much to me. We should be playing St. Louis, but there is always that chance we play Minnesota. But if nothing else, we have home ice in the first round, no matter what. The only time we wouldn't, even if we lose, the only time we wouldn't have home ice is against Vegas in the second round, assuming Vegas makes it there. And if we make it to the Final Four in the Stanley Cup Final, home ice advantage the entire way, even over Carolina, because we have that regulation wins tiebreaker. I mean, Colorado is 34 regulation wins. They have, like, that's better than everybody. The next closest is surprisingly Edmonton with 31 and Vegas with 30. Carolina is all the way down at 27. But yeah, this season is done. This has been a real crazy regular season. It's kind of dragged on at times. There's been those very strange breaks, those COVID breaks, but now we're getting to the real meat. Because if the Avalanche disappoint and they lose in the, the first or second round, all of this was for nothing. I mean, it's not going to be cute anymore if they if they don't get the job done and at very, very least make it to the third round this season. Like, I, I've already heard, like, even like, well, well, if they lose to Vegas, that's not a total failure. Yes, it is. Yes, it absolutely is. This is the team that we've been going up against the entire season. Like, even when we're not playing them, we are directly comparing ourselves to Vegas in buildup for that matchup. If you fail to beat them, yeah, that's absolutely a failure. This is one of the best teams the Avalanche have constructed since they won the Stanley Cup 20 years ago. So, like, the, the baby fat is all gone. You can't be in the playoffs and be as good as the Avalanche are for four straight years and not make it to the third round. The first year, you get a pass. President's Trophy winners, you pushed them six games. That was fun. Second year, you knock off the top team in the West and you go seven games with the Sharks. You, you get the luck of a draw on some bad calls and, you know, whatever. Last season, you lose both of your goalies. You still push that series against Dallas seven games. You lose in game seven overtime, which sucks. But there's, there was an excuse. And unle unless something drastic happens here, there is not going to be an excuse this time. They need to get the job done here. And I believe that they can, and I believe that they will. When I, when I fill out my bracket over the next few days, I'm going to ultimately have Colorado as the champs. The playoffs open on Saturday with the Caps and the Bruins. All the brackets will be locked by then, so... Just to let you know now, my pick is going to be Colorado to win the Stanley Cup, not because I host this show, not because I'm a biased fan of the team, but because I genuinely believe it still that this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. They're a damn good hockey team, and I just think they're going to. I don't think it's an accident that they're one of the best teams in the NHL. When they when they play to their best, they're not going to lose the only team that's going to stop this team is themselves. I've said it for months now. If they play Vegas and 
Colorado plays their best, they'll beat Vegas. If they play Carolina and Colorado plays to their best, they'll beat Carolina. If they play Pittsburgh and they play to their best, they'll beat Pittsburgh. They, they will beat every single one of these teams if they play to their best. I promise that. So yes, I think this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. And next time we talk, we're either going to have a nice little playoff preview for before the first playoff game, or we're going to have our first playoff game to talk about. So I think it is going to be St. Louis, might still be Minnesota, but we will see. So that's going to do it for me on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. Enjoy the rest of your week, guys. 